If you're not sure if homeschooling is right for your family, or if you're a homeschooler who lacks confidence, or if you're a homeschool mom who mostly has confidence but could always appreciate a booster of confidence, then this is the podcast episode for you. On today's episode, I'm discussing the book, The Homeschooling Option, How to Decide When It's Right for Your Family, because this book is the book that convinced me to homeschool. In the very first episode of this podcast, I shared about this book and how it convinced me. I'll tell you that I had not even expected to purchase a book about homeschooling the day that I did. We were on a vacation at a nearby resort town, uh, Canmore, Alberta to be specific, with our three little girls. My husband released me from my mothering responsibilities as I wandered downtown with a coffee in one hand and nothing to do on my schedule, which naturally took me to a local bookshop. I love me a local bookshop. All those carefully chosen titles, a bookseller with heart, whoever owns a bookshop is an automatic kindred spirit in my world. So a book on the homeschooling option. I thumbed it. I didn't have any intentions other than to peruse books that day, to drag my fingers along the dusty shelves of differently sized spines, to just look. Then that book jumped out at me. Why did it jump out at me? All I can recall was that not long before I had a conversation with another mom who was planning to homeschool and that seemed like a venture into insanity, if I'm being honest. Not the freedom I was looking for. And yet again, a book I found unplanned on a bookstore shelf had a powerful impact on my life. And today I'm going to share with you six thoughts from the book, The Homeschooling Option, How to Decide When It's Right for You by Lisa Rivero that helped me clarify that yes, indeed, I was going to sign up for this homeschool journey. And now that I look back on this book and all of the things I'd underlined that first week that I read it, I realized all of the things she shares in her book are the things that I came to understand myself in my homeschool journey. You will recognize many thoughts that she has that I have learned throughout my experience too. And so that's why I want to bring it to you to bolster your confidence and to help you clarify if you're not quite sure if this is the right choice for you. So welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, the Certified Life Coach and Homeschool Mentor at www.capturingthecharmedlife.com. Before we get started, I want to share with you a few thoughts that Nicole shared with me. She said, thanks so much for the warm welcome. This was in the Facebook Homeschool Mama Support Group. I will be homeschooling both of my boys. My oldest is three and a half. I've been getting asked a lot from family or friends if my son is excited to start school next year. I guess they've all forgotten. I've told them. I will be homeschooling. I've gotten the same reaction from everyone. They're all shocked and have been questioning how I'm going to do it, saying my youngest also needs my full attention and my oldest will need to socialize. So I basically feel like I've lost my confidence and I'm now questioning myself if I'll be able to do this without failing my kids. So I'm here to build my confidence back up and feel supported. 
I go into a deep discussion um, to address a lot of the things that Nicole shares in an Instagram Live, but I believe today's episode will help bolster her confidence, and hopefully it'll bolster yours too. Okay, let's get started. Before I even make it off the first page of this book, I'm going to share with you a quote that she shares from Anne Sullivan, the teacher of Helen Keller. She says, I'm beginning to suspect all elaborate and special systems of education. They seem to me to be built upon the supposition that every child is a kind of idiot who must be taught to think. Whereas if the child is left unto themselves, he will think more and better, if less showily. Let him come and go freely, let him touch real things and combine his impressions for himself. Teaching fills the mind with artificial associations that must be gotten rid of before the child can develop independent ideas out of actual experiences. I'm hereby assuming that you're familiar with the story of Helen Keller. She was unable to speak, to hear, to see, and Anne Sullivan was attempting to teach her. A story about Helen Keller would be a remarkable read aloud in your homeschool. So about this quote, I think we have the capacity to create a homeschool experience that allows for this exact thing to happen. To allow our kids to create realistic, honest associations so they can develop their ideas out of their actual experiences. Thank goodness, because there are some limitations to the schooled experience. A child's intellectual capacity is not limited, though the school somehow suggests that unless someone is going to provide something for that child, their intellectual capacity will be limited. Children lack the ability to think for themselves. Oh, do they? And do they need to be taught how to think? This assumption is limiting. It underestimates the child's curiosity and capacity for independent thought. Einstein, the theoretical physicist, was quoted saying, the only thing that interferes with my learning is my education. And the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existing. One cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. Never lose a holy curiosity. For a kid who didn't like school or appreciate it, here are a few concepts or theories and ideas that were developed or advanced by Einstein during his lifetime. The theory of relativity, photoelectric effect, Brownian motion, Einstein field equations, cosmological constant, Einstein's mass-energy equivalence, theory of critical opalescence, and Einstein-Rosen bridge, also known as the wormhole. Now, you should know that I could not explain what any of these concepts were if it were not for books or the internet, because none of these are my particular interests. However, he actually explored even more than what I just shared. You will be familiar with quantum theory of light, or maybe I just introduced you, theory of specific heat, 
theory of Brownian ratchets, unified field theory, Einstein's refrigerator, and many influences on modern physics. You can learn more details about each of the things that I shared on the show notes page to this episode. Of course, you're going to see it in a very simplified version. But my emphasis here is for you to remember what Einstein said about school. Learning interfered with his education and never lose a holy curiosity. We can do that for our kids. This also speaks to me that the traditional education can be um, restrictive and overly structured. Obviously, we both know that. But this is where kids tend to be confined within a fixed curriculum and teaching methods that might not align with the child's learning style or his interests or his holy curiosity. For example, when my daughter attended grade one, she had a friend who was already reading level one readers, but I recall her teacher telling her or his mother that he needed to go back from the beginning and start with the early readers and continue to move through the readers. You know, there's different theories, different approaches on this notion of reading, but it does, at least to me, seem kind of restrictive and overly structured for a kid who was well on his way to reading a lot more advanced things than most kids in his class. So why didn't they let him? In our homeschools, we can. I think experiential learning is where it's at. Children learn best when they have the freedom to explore, interact with the real world, allowing them to form their own impressions and their conclusions about things through hands-on experience. I absolutely love flipping through Instagram, especially now that my four kids are past the stage of me hanging out with them at a zoo or learning all sorts of things, all the very cool things you all are doing with your kids. These hands-on experiences are remarkable opportunities to learn. Sometimes formal teaching creates artificial associations in a child's mind. Much like Melissa from Pocket Homeschool shared on her Instagram account just today that our teaching of history often comes in the form of a date, a person, an event. And we don't associate that date person event with some other thing that was going on at the same time or how something right before it influenced how that bore out. There's often no through line in the teaching of history Rather, there are compartmentalized moments being taught where our kids are told to memorize these certain concepts instead of trying to draw connections from their own lived experiences. I had one of these experiences when I was a full-grown adult about a concept that I could have understood sometime in my earlier schooling years because I recall a discussion about Pythagorean theorem, but it did not make sense to me until... I helped to build a goat barn and I was trying to line up the pitched roof with the rectangular building that we are creating for clover, thistle, and poppy. All of a sudden, my lived experience building that goat barn made Pythagorean theorem a little bit more understandable. I'd also suggest that actual experiences can be more effective in nurturing their intellectual development. This implies that kids have the capacity to develop their own ideas and problem-solving skills, 
And I think the way we teach science generally, the way I was taught science was, here is a theory, I'm going to show you how to do it and why it is true. Instead of exploring and getting curious and maintaining that holy curiosity that Albert Einstein encourages us to pursue. I can take, for example, my 14-year-old and how he plays Bananagrams. Are you familiar with the Bananagrams game? A um, bunch of, really, it looks like Scrabble tiles, except you don't play it on a board. And you're given 20 tiles at the beginning of the game. You create words out of those tiles. And when you're finished with those tiles, you say, take two, and everyone in the circle playing the Bananagrams game with you will take two more tiles, and you'll keep building words until you have no more tiles, and there are no more tiles in the center. Whoever wins is the one that finishes first. Me? I flip each of those tiles over, one at a time, I begin to recognize certain words. I try to use the letters that are the most challenging straight off. I try to mentally conceptualize a word and then I build. My son, my 14-year-old son, stacks the letters into piles of consonants and vowels, separate consonants and vowels, and then he conceptualizes words. This would get me to know words if I was approaching it that way. But his approach is his approach, and it seems to be working for him because he does very well in Bananagrams. Although between you and me, I am usually the one winning. Just got to say that. Got to declare that. <laughs> this is my game. He can keep his chess. I will keep my Bananagrams. So is conventional wisdom that formal schooling is the best or only path to educating a child? I shall answer this with a question. Sure, your child can survive on fish sticks and goldfish crackers for his childhood, but does he have to? The second thought from Lisa Rivero's book, The Homeschooling Option, How to Decide When It's Right for You, is this. Being together all day, every day, forced us all to learn new and better ways to communicate and cooperate, valuable skills, but not always easy skills. Homeschool parents and children see each other at their best and their worst. Choose the homeschool option and you'll quickly see why it's necessary to embrace a growth mindset, <laughs> to let go of perfectionism and accept your moments of failure. I have four thoughts here. You're gonna need to learn how to communicate and cooperate in ways you weren't expecting you might need to. There is nothing easy about this one. In fact, there's a whole lot of trial and error in learning how to communicate and cooperate. As mothers or fathers or parents, we just don't come into the world equipped to engage all of that. We are learning these things alongside our homeschool family. And naturally, your kids haven't learned this stuff either because they're newer to the planet than you. The second thought is that these are highly valuable skills, highly valuable. They say that EQ is more powerful and more um, likely to be a predictor of your long-term success than your IQ, which is useful because you will have many opportunities to engage in EQ development. The third thought is to accept your imperfection and failure. When you embrace a growth mindset, it involves understanding that 
you're going to make mistakes. But that mistakes or setbacks are a natural part of the learning process. Perfectionism hinders that process by setting you up to have wildly unrealistic expectations. Ask me how I know. P.S. You won't get to perfect even by letting go of perfectionism. But the energy expended trying to be perfect is enormous and you can focus your energy on things that you can impact, like learning to cooperate and communicate and building those EQ skills. And the fourth thought is that you want to build a supportive learning environment. And this is how you can do it. Imagine what the detached learning environment might be like in school. Do you remember what that felt like when a teacher mistreated you or called you out for something you didn't do or something like that? You didn't have a chance to repair that wound with the teacher. Well, maybe you did, but maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't have a chance to repair that wound with the teacher and clarify what he or she meant or reconnect emotionally with that teacher. You weren't close enough to your teacher, maybe even to let them know that something hurt or offended you. Our kids are that close to their parents. They have a chance for repair if they so choose. And if you make it possible, if you open the door for that environment. By embracing a growth mindset and accepting your moments of failure, homeschooling can become a more supportive and nurturing environment. And since children need to learn not to fear making mistakes, because uh, they're going to as well, then they could also learn how to approach their challenges with a curiosity and willingness to grow and learn too. We teach them to do it when we're doing it ourselves. So I learned from Lisa Rivero that we can make learning about relating and EQ and all the things that help us become socialized human beings empathic human beings, normal in our homeschool lives. Though so we've completed the five-day wellness challenge, the live five-day wellness challenge in the Facebook group, Homeschool Mama Support Group, you can still access that five-day wellness challenge and use it at your leisure. Here's a sneak peek of what you're going to find in the five-day wellness challenge. A discussion on de-schooling, exploring the process of shedding educational paradigms or mindsets that really won't serve you or your homeschool kid and embrace a more holistic approach to leaning in to child-led learning. On the second day, you're going to learn how to overcome overwhelm triggers, practical strategies to tackle some of that so you don't lose your cool regularly. You'll be assessing your unrealistic expectations, clarifying the reasons you're overwhelmed, clarifying the reasons your perfectionistic tendencies even exist, and therefore creating a nurturing environment. On the third day, we're going to discuss emotional dysregulation for you, exploring ways to plan for the emotional ups and downs, developing self-awareness strategies like asking essential questions, and I'll be sharing those questions in this five-day challenge, journaling techniques, grounding techniques, breathing techniques, and self-compassionate mirror work. On the fourth day, I'm going to be discussing boundaries, 
how to set healthy boundaries, both internal and external boundaries, learning the importance of boundaries in your homeschool journey and why it benefits your life as a whole. Building boundaries will help you be your authentic self, help you be more present with your kids, and therefore cultivate more meaningful relationships with your kids, which will feel like you're living your life on purpose. And on the fifth day, I help you rediscover your identity, who you are beyond your homeschool mom role or any other role you play. To help you learn how to do it through journaling or the UBU checklist that I offer, to help you uncover your passions, your values, and clarify your emotional landscape. All of this so you can nourish your authenticity just like you want to for your kids, pursue your passions, and learn more about you. Join me for this low-key event, and as I've been told, this insightful wellness challenge. You've heard me say this so many times, but I believe that taking care of you is crucial to being the best homeschool parent you can be. Learn more about the five-day wellness challenge on my website, www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Lisa Rivero from the Homeschooling Option shares with us one seldom discussed aspect of homeschooling and benefit of homeschooling is that it teaches parents a lot about themselves. <laughs> oh yeah, girlfriend. How do I love this homeschooling option? And how has it encouraged me in my personal growth? Let me count the ways. Homeschooling, you've taught me that my voice can be too loud for my children to hear. You've taught me I need to assert my boundaries in how I want to be spoken to and how I want to speak to others. Homeschooling, you have taught me that I can be misunderstood differently by each of my kids. You've taught me that I'm not naturally patient, but I might have known that before I homeschooled. You've taught me how to show up on time. You've taught me how to create margins in my day. You've taught me that listening doesn't mean parroting back what my kids say, but rather giving them eyeball to eyeball time, making their whole bodies feel heard. You've taught me that all of my big emotions will be activated, and you've taught me that I am more than a homeschool mom. I'm a person outside the homeschool mom role too. Homeschooling, you've taught me that time is finite. I cannot do everything I want to do with my kids or by myself. So I must accept my finiteness. Homeschooling, you've taught me that I will fail, even repeatedly. But I can get back up again, nurture my wounds, learn something new, ask for forgiveness, clarify misunderstandings, request that my feelings and needs be acknowledged, and honor and acknowledge the feelings and needs of the other people in my home too. Oh, and you've taught me that homeschooling is more than just reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's more than resources and extracurriculars or clever Instagram reels. Homeschooling is a lifestyle and environment where kids and parents can be nurtured to grow up and live their lives on purpose. Lisa Rivero says, I began to pay attention to the homeschooled teens we knew. They seemed unusually at ease in their own skins, confident about their abilities, and candid in their opinions. They had real conversations with their parents and with other adults, 
Their older siblings were going on to college after having homeschooled and reported no trouble with the transition to classroom education. So these are my thoughts around that quote. Every child is different. Therefore, every child's transition from homeschool to regular school will probably look different too. Whether that means a transition from homeschool to a typical high school or all the way from a homeschool high school experience into college. Long before I considered homeschooling, I knew a family that had teens, homeschool teens. The younger daughter worked or volunteered at the library during her school days. We saw her regularly because I had younger kids then, preschooled kids. She seemed quiet but polite, warm and engageable. I could have regular conversations with her like she was living in the real world. I saw their family of four bicycling with their parents on a Saturday afternoon. I remember thinking how odd that was. Do teens hang out with their parents? I certainly didn't when I was a teen. Fast forward a whole bunch of years to my four teens. Some of my teenagers went on to public school in high school. One of them did not. There is a very small number of homeschoolers in our area who homeschool high school, like really small. Almost everyone went to school in grade 10. And by the time my kids were in their high school years, their closest friends definitely went to the local high school. Now, because I really like homeschooling, <laughs> you may have noticed, and I am a 100% advocate for it for high school too, it was very difficult for me to release my oldest daughter to a public high school. I'm sure you can imagine. It was less difficult with my third, and then this past year, my fourth kiddo, but I've come to accept it. And I also came to understand that there was an element of consent or autonomy that I needed to honor in each of my teenagers' individuating years. FYI, I did not understand that with my first teenager. But with the encouragement from a couple homeschool moms with older kids who did transition into public high school and another mom who homeschooled then transitioned into regular school or high school herself, I was told this one thing. Once a homeschooled kid, always a homeschooled kid. What I've noticed as my homeschool kids turn teenagers is that all of them, whether they were homeschooled in high school or public school, assumed that they would be listened to. They were accustomed to being heard. They were accustomed to having their needs acknowledged. Whether that be physical needs in the middle of the day, they were accustomed to being seen as a separate person, a unique person that had value and worth. They weren't accustomed to being a name on a student list for some random adult to discover on the first day of class. And they were accustomed to having regular conversations with humans across the age spectrum. They were accustomed to socializing across the age spectrum. And they assumed they would be listened to by adults. When one of my kiddos knew she had to graduate with a particular class that the school wasn't making available to everyone that semester, she stood outside the classroom until the teacher finally allowed her to join the class. <laughs> when another kiddo was introduced to multiple choice tests, I gave him a quick overview of how to trust his gut, to read the question carefully, not to second guess his answer because multiple choice questions weren't part of my homeschool routine. But he only needed to be explained that briefly once. 
So when a few of my kids transitioned to public high school, they discovered kids weren't always kind. Say what? <laughs> okay, well, obviously they're siblings, so they weren't always kind in my home either. But that socialization concern that everyone had voiced over so many years toward them or, or in discussion with me when they weren't around, well, they would learn it was seemingly irrelevant. I'm going to be learning how to socialize with all of these kids. Anyways, whether public schooled or homeschooled in high school, each of my kids with their unique personalities are more at ease in their own skins. They are more confident about their abilities and candid in their opinions. So just as Lisa Rivero shared, yep, I saw it myself. The fifth thought that Lisa Rivero shares is this. The idea of teaching one's children doesn't really capture how homeschooling works because it implies a formal tutoring relationship rather than a family experience. In essence, homeschooling is no different from teaching our kids to wash dishes, write thank you notes, or drive a car. Parents are already their children's teachers, and homeschool parents continue in that role just on a larger scale. Home education doesn't require a radically different set of skills or knowledge base. Knowing how to teach a room of 25 kids is very different from working with one's own child, which we'd been doing all along. Also, as we will discuss in more detail in Chapter 6, homeschoolers teach themselves much of the time, and our job as parents is to facilitate, encourage, and support. You know, before I share my thoughts on this quote, I just want to say this. I read this book two years before I began homeschooling, and now you fast forward at least, um, I don't know, 17 years, 20, I forget how many years, but that many years forward, and there are so many things that she said in that book that convinced me to homeschool that I can now see after I've graduated my homeschool years. This is so true. The idea of teaching one's kids doesn't really capture how homeschooling works. Can I hear an amen from all the homeschool families that have been doing this for a while? This implies that a formal tutoring relationship is the thing. It's the reason we're homeschooling rather than a bigger family experience. In our early homeschool years or before we began homeschooling, we assume we need to learn how to teach our kids. We assume that our kids need a teacher to learn from. We quickly discover that our kids naturally learn certain things because that's what they're hardwired to do. Now, I'm not saying that they're naturally hardwired to learn everything on the provincial or state learning outcomes, but they are naturally curious. They each have unique interests and they don't follow the same rabbit trails. They may be interested in some of your rabbit trails or curiosities, and they may not. They may be interested in some of the things that are in the textbook or in whatever prescribed curriculum or resources you are giving your kids, and they may not. One thing this homeschooling option is not is school at home. Don't go into details, but I'll just tell you this. I do not actually care for the word homeschooling. The reason I use it in the years after I began coaching formally is because on Google, people know homeschooling through the word homeschooling. 
For years, I wrote about home education or child-led learning or unschooling or self-directed learning or all the things that are known but not quite as popularly as homeschooling. But one thing I know about homeschooling, it is not school at home. In essence, homeschooling is no different from teaching our kids to wash the dishes, write thank you notes, or drive a car, Ms. Rivero says. Parents are already there. Children's teachers and homeschooling parents continue in that role, just on a larger scale. Because we live in a society that assumes there are places where someone might learn, like elementary schools, kindergartens, private schools, post-secondary schools, we therefore assume that learning can only happen through a delivery system that is structured, that has been overseen by administrators and teachers. What we forget as parents is that before our kids first preschool, go to kindergarten or a grade one class, we were already teaching them. They were learning before someone taught them in a school. Some of them, these kids, taught themselves to read, to add, to subtract, various things, to maybe some of them taught themselves to hop and skip or climb trees. Some of them learned to draw pretty pictures or dance like a ballerina. Some of them asked why, why, why about so many things. They were learning. We showed them how to tie their shoes. Who's teaching your child to potty train? Who's teaching your child to sound out their first letters, or print their name, or learn their colors, or understand why the sky is blue, or ask why the ants are all crawling in a line? It's you. You are teaching them before they enter the walls of the education system. That teaching simply continues as you believe yourself to now have become homeschoolers. But really, you were teaching all along. It's the parent's role to facilitate, encourage, and support. And the parent doesn't have to homeschool 25 students unless she's also birthed them, adopted them, or fostered them, and a girlfriend, woo, hats off to you. But when you educate your specific child, or your five, or 11, or two, remember that each of those kids is uniquely and intricately known by you. Homeschooling is simply a continuation of learning. In the homeschooling option Lisa Rivero shares, while a child in school has an occasional field trip outside the classroom, homeschooled kids are in their communities nearly every day as they learn what is necessary to grow into the adult world. Homeschooled kids learn from their parents, family members, mentors in the neighborhood or libraries or museums, the internet, community classes, and each other much as children have learned throughout the centuries. Can children only learn in a classroom with a teacher, with grades, tests, textbooks, lectures, all the things? As parents overseeing our kids' education, we learn that they learn everywhere they go. They learn in the backyard as they're building mud patties that they shape with twigs and branches in hopes that the birds will use them for their nests. They learn when they climb up a tree at a playground and have a hard time coming back down. And they learn about international news bits because they listen to a radio news show through their Alexa. That would be my kiddo. Learning takes place in the goat corral when they are trying to build a functional goat barn and the Pythagorean theorem would help them make a functional goat barn. It wasn't just me that learned that. In the dance studio, 
toning their core, by doing regular ab workouts. These things will help make it easier for her to make smooth ballet turns. Also one of my kiddos. And when they go to college in a city that is bilingual, and they didn't learn how to speak French before, they are going to learn how to speak French and quickly because they will have to write their final college exams in French. Kids learn everywhere they go, and they learn because that's what kids do. They learn. When we bring them along to our activities, whether that's heading to the post office or grocery store, or a trip to rural Africa where they're assisting dad on male surgical rounds or pediatric rounds at the pediatric malarial unit, children are always learning. They do not need the four walls of an institution to learn. Also, they don't need an institutional prescription to learn. They don't need even your permission to learn. Homeschool kids definitely learn from the adult world because they live alongside adults living in the real world. This is a benefit of the homeschooling option. And the final quote I want to share with you is actually her re-quoting John Holt. John Holt wrote in How Children Learn, all I'm saying in this book can be summed up in two words. Trust children. Nothing could be more simple or more difficult. Lisa Rivero says, trust in the child's ability to learn. This is the bedrock of Holt's views on homeschooling. And he introduced the term unschooling to describe this kind of natural learning that happened outside schools. Holt argued that all of us have an innate desire and need to learn, not just as children, but for our entire lives. Schools tend to interfere with this innate drive with artificial expectations, evaluations, and a template of what education should be for everyone at a particular age. Families who follow Holt's ideas don't worry much about learning specific subjects at specific ages or covering all aspects of math or science. Instead, they trust that when a child discovers the need to learn, he or she will find a way to learn or will ask for guidance from a parent or another adult. I think perhaps it's because formal educational systems exist and perhaps because prescription parenting books exist that parents assume that if they follow the system or the advice, parents will produce the perfect product of a child. Society doesn't assume we can go to our kids to learn from them and learn how they need to learn. We're told children are blank slates before they enter the world. Therefore, we need to upload content to their blank slates. We're told and we believe that kids need to be taught how to learn, that they don't have an innate desire to learn. But I'm with John Holt in this quote for two reasons. One is that I've come to understand that for a child to genuinely engage in their life fully, they need to want to and have permission to. Secondly, it's really hard as a parent to let go and lean in to trusting your child's ability to learn to allow for that learning. I believe our culture assumes that a teenager is bored because he's disinterested in life and more engaged with his devices than he should be. 
However, I believe that teenagers have had systematic stamping out of their internal motivation, actually. If we were to interfere less with how they need to learn, or what they need to learn, or in what way they need to learn, or how their learning was evaluated in this contrived approach that we're presently doing, we would have more engaged humans as they entered the independent adult stage of their lives. Our entire culture would benefit because we would have energized, creative humans. Eager to create, they'd be curious, and would engage their world when they were 6, 12, 22, 42, or 72. The world could be a tapestry of interesting things. Each person would be uniquely recognized, their value and offerings to the world would have much deeper meaning to them, and therefore each person would have a deeper sense of purpose and why they're here on this planet. They'd be living their lives on purpose. I hardly think that I or any others who see the world as I do are going to easily reform our approach for um, children's education, not in a systematic way. At least that's my opinion. I personally don't have the heart to attempt a conventional school reformation. However, I do want to bolster you and your passion and confidence in recognizing that your children learn because they are children. So you can trust them. You can follow their curiosities and their aptitudes and their interests and help them develop into the humans they were meant to be here. And you can do this for yourself too. Whether you identify that homeschooling is a whole lot more than doing school at home, if you identify with any of the things I've shared in this episode, I wish for you to feel freedom, to enable your kids' innate drive to learn with or without evaluation or a standardized education, with or without diplomas and degrees, ultimately because I want for you and your kids to live your life on purpose. As much as you're able, work at getting out of their way. Trust them so they can learn. And a quick last thought for the new homeschool family or the new family contemplating the homeschool option. This book, The Homeschooling Option, How to Decide When It's Right for Your Family by Lisa Rivero provides so many invaluable insights into the world of homeschooling, so I highly recommend grabbing a copy. So as you may have heard, homeschooling is not just about replicating traditional school at home. It may be a journey of discovery, of growth, and of internal purpose-led living for both the kids and the parents. But for those who are seasoned homeschool families or have been doing this long enough to identify that the things that I shared are probably real for you and your experience in your homeschool home, I think this book offers you a chance to reaffirm your commitment to a path that can bring you freedom and deeper purpose. Because Lisa Rivero's words can remind us all that homeschooling is not just an alternative to a conventional education. It's a lifestyle that fosters independent thinking, encourages real-world experiences, and helps us teach our kids that they can learn and helps us get out of our kids' way. Homeschooling is not always easy. <laughs> nope. 
but it is an incredible opportunity to build strong family bonds, to nurture curiosity, to create a customized education. So whether you're new to homeschooling or you've been doing this for a few years, this book, The Homeschooling Option, can encourage you to trust your child so you all can continue leaning in to living your lives more on purpose. Thanks for joining me today. So has this discussion helped you clarify your uncertainties and bolster your confidence? Send me a message and let me know. You can find me in the Homeschool Mama Support Group on Facebook. If this podcast has been an encouragement for you, would you share it with someone you know? And would you consider sharing your thoughts with me as a review on Spotify or Apple because the algorithm will support me in sharing this podcast with others? All the show notes and resources discussed in this episode are found on my website, www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Until next week, I want for you and your homeschool kids to turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You got this, girlfriend.